In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can't have it both ways. For much of life, that's a frustrating thing, that you can't have it both ways to realize that there are trade-offs in life. So you can't binge on donuts and keep your trim figure. You can't stay up too late and feel well-rested in the morning. You can't party hard and pass your test the next day. You can't tell off your boss and keep your job. You can't be devoted to your career and to your family. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot eat your cake and have it too. Or maybe you've heard it the other way around. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. There's a German expression that's very similar. You cannot wash your hair and stay dry. Or they also put it this way. You can't dance at two weddings at the same time. You can't have it both ways. There are lots of things in life that are binary choices. There's up or down. There's no in-between. And yet our world is full of attempts to pretend like there's a gray area, like there's some sort of a muddy, mushy middle, as if you don't have to choose. In so many ways, our world loves to think that you can have your cake and eat it too. So a lot of the sort of progressive ideology in our world right now likes to hold on to the idea that you can serve the oppressed and the weak and the helpless. Meanwhile, the most helpless, the unborn, are neglected, trying to have their cake and eat it too. Or there are those who want to imagine that they can be a Christian, but never listen to God's word, or never eat and drink his body and blood. Or imagine that there's a heaven, but no hell. That there's eternal life for some, but no one is going to suffer on account of their sins. Our world would love to have it both ways, to have its cake and eat it too. Just like Pilate, Pontius Pilate, poor Pontius Pilate. I really come away from reading the passion narrative feeling bad for the guy. He just wants to have his cake and eat it too, like we all do. He wants to have it both ways. He wants to be in charge. He wants to have authority. He wants to be the Roman governor of this province of Judea. He wants to have the, be the one who holds the scepter, who wields the power. And yet, here are these rabble-rousing Jews, and all they have to do is incite a riot, and it all comes crashing down. He wants to think that he's in charge, but he also knows that he has to appease them. He has to keep them happy in order to maintain his position. He's afraid he'll lose control if he doesn't negotiate with them, if he doesn't compromise with them. He wants to imagine that his authority is solid, that he is a self-made individual, but he also knows that he is on thin ice. As Jesus says, someone else gave him that authority. He knows it. Even if he doesn't think it's God who gave him the authority he has, he knows it's Caesar, and Caesar could take it away at any moment. He wants to think that he's in charge, but he also knows that his authority is fragile. It's weak. He wants to imagine that politics, his job, is all a matter of practicalities. It's just a matter of getting by. It's pragmatism. It's what will work. That's how you make decisions. What is truth? He asks Jesus. There's no point in being principled and standing on truth. Where is the truth? I don't know where it is. He wants that to be true, and yet, today, 
standing in front of him, looking him in the eye, is truth incarnate. That's what's so hard for Pilate. He'd love it if there was a charge against Jesus that would hold water. He'd love it if there's something he could say about this man so that he could hand him over to the Jews and be convinced that he had done what was right. But there is nothing, not a shred of guilt in him. I can find nothing wrong with him. He tries to incite Jesus to give him some sort of a reaction, but Jesus won't even reply. He just tells the truth. You say that I'm a king. Did you decide that on your own or did you hear that from someone else? Well, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. And that makes Pilate tremble, just as it does when the Jews say to him, he claims to be the son of God. Well, he doesn't seem to be crazy. He doesn't seem to be evil. He doesn't seem to be a liar. What if it's all true? Pilate would prefer to have his cake and eat it too. He'd prefer to have it both ways, but he cannot. And so he makes a choice. He's confronted with a dilemma, a crisis, as we so often are in life. Confronted with crises because we want two things to be true at the same time. We want to have our cake and eat it too. But Pilate knows he cannot, and so he has to make a choice. He makes the wrong one. He offers the Jews a choice. You can have Jesus or you can have Barabbas, and they choose Barabbas. And Pilate lets him go. Pilate hands Jesus over to the Jews so that they can unjustly murder him, so they can do to him whatever their hearts desire, so they can treat him as if he were a criminal. Pilate made a choice. He had to make a choice. The world is confronted with a choice, just like Pilate was on Good Friday. The world is confronted with a choice. Every time Jesus shows up, every time his word is spoken, every time his promises are heard, every time Jesus is seen as the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, the world is confronted with a crisis. And that is what makes the world so very upset about Jesus. He does not let you have it both ways. It's an either-or. Either he is innocent or he is guilty. Either he is true or he's a liar. You can have either him or you can have Barabbas, a murderer and an insurrectionist. You can either listen to Jesus or you can listen to everyone else. Either there is hell to pay for our sins or they're really not that big of a deal and we can deal with them on our own. Either the wrath of God is poured out on unrighteousness, unyieldingly. Or you can find some way to wiggle out from underneath the curses of God's law, from underneath his disapproving gaze, from underneath the weight of God's hand. Either you cannot save yourself at all, one little bit, or you can, and you better get to work. Either the death of Jesus changes everything, or it changes nothing at all. Either this is the most important thing that has ever happened, or we are all wasting our time. There is no in-between. There's no middle. You cannot have it both ways. We and Pilate are not the only ones confronted with a dilemma. We're not the only ones confronted with a choice, a crisis on Good Friday. God, the Heavenly Father, had led his son this far. Born of the Virgin Mary, 
humbled to take the form of a servant, led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, treated as if he was just a miracle worker, a tool, a pawn, accused of things he never even thought of doing, suffered under Pontius Pilate, mocked and scourged, mistreated and abused, suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified. And here he hangs on the cross. And while he's hanging on the cross, he's praying to his heavenly father, as he did throughout his whole life. And while he was praying from the cross, while he was bleeding and pouring out his life and suffering the spite and mockery of those who stood around him, saying such cruel things as, if you're the son of God, come down from there. If God really wants you, why won't he have you? The temptation to despair and give it all up. Even then, while Jesus cried out those dreadful words from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even then, his father's heart could have broken. Our heavenly father's heart could have broken and he could have made a choice. He could have sent legions of angels to come and scatter the crowds and remove the nails and heal every wound that Jesus had suffered. He could have caused an earthquake to open up the ground and they could have all been swallowed and Jesus could have been well. It could have been as if nothing had ever happened. He could have called Peter to take out his sword again and start chopping off more ears. Any of these options could have worked. He could have, with a word, healed everything that his son, his beloved son, was suffering. His son with whom he was well pleased. He could have done that. But he could not have it both ways. Not because of any limitation on God's part. Not because he cannot do what he wills. But because of the depth of our sin. Do you realize what a dilemma we have forced on God by our sin? That we have made him choose. A life was required for ours. Blood must be shed for your blood, the penalty must be paid for your sin. And so here's the choice. Either God can send all of you to hell, or he could send his son. And he chose to send his son. He could not have it both ways. He chose to send his son because he wanted you. He chose to hand his son over to death, to suffer all the things that we deserve because he wanted to save you, to give you life, to give you hope, to give you a future, to deliver you from everything that you deserve and instead to give you everything that belonged to his son, an eternal kingdom, a future, and a hope. This dilemma, this dilemma must have been awful. How could a father's heart not break? And yet you see what manner of love the Father has for you that he has called you to be his children. That he has saved you from the depths of despair. That he has brought you to life and immortality. Praise God. Praise God that he chose you. Praise God that he chose you and that he has taken the time to teach you of his love. He teaches you how much he loves you so that you will in the end realize there are no two ways about it. 
all of the false dilemmas that you imagine there are in the world, the dilemmas that confront Christians between choosing one path or another, they're all just imaginary. There's no two ways about it. When the choice is between sin and forgiveness, between wickedness and righteousness, between heaven and hell, between being a child of God or a child of the devil, there really is no choice, is there? When you have a God like this, who loves you to this extent, who would give everything up for you. When you have a God like that, there is nothing to choose except to be with him. God, grant you his Holy Spirit always to cling to these promises, to put your trust in him, and never to refuse one who would make such a choice for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.